Hi everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and welcome to the Empower Women series of the month of July uh, for a topic that I really uh, have been looking forward to. Uh, I have enjoyed this particular uh, initiative uh, through my time at Lexington and it's something that has been caught up a little bit by the industry of like the intersection between happiness and money. But I would say here at Lexington, uh, Carrie, who is Carrie Luria, who's joining me today, uh, has been one of the, the people pushing this to, uh, for many years now at the firm. So Carrie, we're very happy to have you today to talk about time, money and joy. Uh, how are you doing, Carrie? I am doing great today, Jordi. Thanks for having me and inviting me to this conversation. It's an important one. Yeah, and by the way, Carrie is a managing director at Lexington Wealth Management. Uh, she, uh, just for context, uh, she works with a huge variety of our clients um, and has seen quite the, uh, I would say, the spectrum of cases and different needs of our clients. Uh, so I, I have to say you have uh, probably the best background uh, to have this conversation <laughs> of time, money, and joy. So, so I really appreciate you spending time with me today. I, I have to say the first question I have for you today is why do you consider the intersection of time, money, and joy to be the most important one to have when you are starting to have conversations with clients? Because so many of our clients walk through the door wanting to talk about their money, which is understandable because we are wealth managers. So that's at the center of, of what we do. But I want clients to understand that what we do reaches so far beyond just the balance sheet and the dollars and the inflows and outflows. And their life is obviously a reflection of that. No one is just a balance sheet. We're so much more than that. And we try to encourage our clients to think about what that might mean for them. Because at the end of the day, our objective is to not only manage their money carefully, but it's really to energize them, to motivate them, to help them to recognize what's most important and meaningful to them, to pursue the lives that they most long to live, and ultimately to increase their happiness. So it's important to connect all of those dots because they are intertwined and they're often in conflict with one another. Yeah. Sometimes you have too much money and not enough time. Sometimes you have too much time and not enough money. Um, but our capacity for joy is really infinite. You know, our, our money and our time, those are finite resources, but our ability to be happy and, and to help others and to make others happy is, is really infinite. And just trying to get that concept across. Um, just before we started recording the episode today, uh, we were discussing about something you do at the end of every session, which is basically um, as one important question to, to the people attending the events. And, and I think I want to ask you, why is that important? And the question here is, basically, how do you spend your days? <laughs> and, and I know what you're trying to get to, but do you mind going through like what you have seen, the, the kind of like the thought process you have seen with the clients you've been working on when you ask the question, what, what's, what's the happiest day for you? It's important to start there because you want to set the table with what is your ideal day? You know, let's assume that you have the resources and the time and everything that you need. How would you spend a day? And, and 24 hours is easier to wrap your head around and 
put some detail to, then where do you where do you see yourself in five years, ten years, and what does that look like? Let's just start with today and where we are now, and think about in that ideal day, where are you? Who are you with? What are you doing? And you know, put in as much detail as you can, and then pause and say, okay, well, how is that ideal day very different from my normal day and and how I live on a, a day to day basis? What's different, and what do I need to change to get to that ideal state? Um, and it's not meant to be an exercise to discourage people because very often we are kind of far away from what that ideal day looks like, but it's meant to encourage folks to make small changes to get there and to start thinking about, okay, well, what am I doing now that I don't want to be doing or, or what do I want to be reaching towards and how can I, how can I make that happen? Yeah, I would say uh, a few years ago, um, uh, some of us at Lexington Wealth got the opportunity to attend uh, what I, I guess, famously got known at Lexington as a day with a monk, uh, but but we we spent a day with Dandapani, who is a uh, a monk from Tibet, and I remember some of the most important conversations we had that day were, were around where you spend your energy, which you were mentioning, and mm-hmm. once you start putting some limitation on the timeline, it was crazy uh, how our priorities changed drastically. Meaning, if you would only have six months to live, what would you do? Where would you be? Who would you be with? Um, right. And changing the timeline shorter and shorter all the way to 24 hours was crazy. Mm-hmm. It, and, and a lot of people in the room realize that even though they were being really successful at their businesses, they have never really considered that part of the time and, and joy relationship uh, uh, as part of their decision-making. Uh, so, so I am very familiar with this, and I can tell you that if you do it on your own, it really changes drastically where you start spending your energy, what activities you start changing your day to do, and who you're spending your energy with. I know that in your workshop, you also do this particular exercise. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you go through that workshop in this, I would say, activities and relationships matrix that you put together? Absolutely. So we call that the matrix mindset, and it is relevant for both the activities and the people in your life. So what you're doing and who you're spending time with. And the concept is really simple. If you were to imagine a a six block graph where you have two columns, one is the top things you must do, people you must see, and things that are your choice or people that are your choice to see. And then you're going to rate them from top to bottom. Um, The top being, they bring me joy, they make me happy. These activities, I I get up and jump out of bed and I can't wait to do them. Then there's stuff that's sort of in the middle that, eh, you know, I don't mind doing it. I don't love doing it. And then there are things that fall to the bottom of our matrix that, ugh, you know, I don't like that. It makes me unhappy. I dread it. I don't look forward to it. Just thinking about how would you plot your activities 
and the people in your life with that sort of matrix mindset. And there are things that we're not going to be able to escape. There are the sort of the ought to's, the responsibilities, the obligations, whether it is activities that we just can't get away from, you know, filing our income taxes, cleaning out the attic, maybe doing a budget if you're thinking in financial terms. People that are in our lives that we must see, maybe can't get away with, we're obligated to to see family. Uh, maybe there's a coworker that you're not all that fond of, but you can't escape that. So the challenge is to think about for activities or people who maybe fall to the lower end of that scale where they're not making you happy, how can you either eliminate them um, or change the experience so that it at least goes higher in the chart and maybe isn't as miserable of an experience? You you know, when you think about activities, particularly, if you can eliminate it, wonderful. But you can also consider, are there tasks and activities that you're doing that you might be able to delegate to someone else or that you might be able to automate so that it just happens and it's not something that you need to be worrying about. Um, and the delegation part is 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 challenging because that often does include a financial component where, okay, I don't want to clean the house, so I need to pay somebody to do that for me. Um, or as I was joking yesterday, some of us have children for that reason, so that we can, you know, deploy them <laughs> to do some of these activities. Um, but it's really just having an awareness um, and tracking it over time as to how am I spending my time? How is it making my me feel? Who am I spending my time with and, and why? Am I doing it out of a sense of obligation? Am I doing it because I really want to? Yeah, I, I think uh, this falls right into uh, some qu a quote that you use often carry, which is the, the no is a complete sentence. And and why is that important to, to mention here is because saying no to things that come into your path is also part of this, right? Like, like we tend to please uh, most of the people around us uh, by saying yes to activities, yes to donations, yes to time commitments, and no is important to have in your repertoire because that will allow you to create more freedom, right? Absolutely. And it's hard. It's a really hard thing to embrace and to deploy because you're right. We do want to please others. We want to be liked. We don't want to disappoint. So if someone asks for your time or your help, you're inclined to say yes. And I think that we need to step back and recognize that we need to give ourselves permission to just say no and say it succinctly. You were so we're so hardwired to feel badly if we say no because because of the disappointment and then it follows up with oh thank you for inviting me i would really love to go but i have to blah 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 and and the verbal diarrhea spills out yes. and you realize oh why why do i feel why do I feel so compelled to, to make this excuse and to make the other person feel better? It's okay. It's okay to say no. Give yourself permission. And I know it's not easy um, and it does take practice, but it becomes easier and easier 
because you also begin to realize me saying no to something I don't want to do or spending time with someone that I'm not necessarily wanting to spend time with is better for me and ultimately better for the other person too, because they will then, they'll be okay with it. You know, it doesn't mean as much to them as you think it does. And they'll move on and ask another person who may very well be excited to engage with them and everybody will have a better experience. Yeah, I think um, this also jumps into the conversation I wanted to have, which is a lot of folks, when they go through this process, they they tend to put a lot of things at the same level. Like meaning, oh, I only have this matrix with maybe like two different places to put activities and relationships. Um, but how do I start measuring this? And, and this is something that went into my mind right away a few years ago when we started uh, talking about this initiative and, and talking about how can we actually implement the concept of time, money, and joy, which is we need metrics to be able to to quantify, but also to make better decisions. And um, I'll let you explain both HPD and HPH, but these are things, I would say it's a standard that we have created at Lexington, but it's a start. It's not perfect. It's one of those that can help you prioritize between one activity and another one that are very close to each other. And uh, so, so go ahead and explain happiness per dollar and happiness per hour. Sure. Again, the concept around this is pretty straightforward and simple. So if you think about you have a limited amount of money, you have a limited amount of time, and you need to invest it wisely and to get the best value, the most bang for your buck, the most bang for your time. So we all know that kind of the best things in life are free. Uh, they really don't cost much. So if you're thinking about spending money on a, a new, you know, a new pair of shoes or spending money on taking a trip, think for a moment about Am I really going to enjoy this? Um, you know, is it worth my money? Am I spending a lot of money for a small amount of happiness? Or am I spending a lot of time doing something and I'm actually not enjoying it? Um, it it's kind of a graphical representation if you think about it. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is put in little time, little money, and maximize your happiness. And it does take some reflection and some honesty with yourself as to, okay, how do I really measure this? But it's a momentary pause when you're at a crossroads of choice. You know, I, I can go on this trip or I can stay home and spend time with someone else locally. What would, what would I enjoy more? Um, and, and both of those are, are a measure of time and money expenditure. Um, but it's just, again, it's more about practice, awareness, and, and being, being honest with yourself and, and giving your permission to make those decisions based on what am I going to get out of this if I put in my time or my money? Will I, will, is it worth it to me? Yeah. And bringing it back to, uh, I would say more real uh, life examples, uh, this can be really hard conversations to have uh, because most of the time, uh, the initial conversations happen happen in a couple or in a household or in a yeah in a partnership, and then you start realizing very fast that uh, the way each individual prioritizes different activities and people are different. 
So this can definitely create conflicts. I'll give you one example that I experienced during that uh, workshop that we did with with the, the Dandapani, which was the relationship with kids. <laughs> and I'm sure you experienced it yourself, Carrie. Uh, there, like there is a responsibility part of this, which everybody acknowledged at the time in the room. But at what time and at what age that changes? Is like, is it when the children are above 18, 21, they get married, independent, when they have kids on their own? But at some point, you have to reassess that relationship because it might not bring you the same joy for the same amount of time that you're spending as it used to in the younger years. And and sometimes people have a in that that's an example of one activity relationship matrix that be, that changes over time that you need to be aware of uh, as you move along your life. Uh, I'm assuming you have other examples like this, Carrie, that you might want to mention that changes over time. Absolutely, and, and relationships are for sure the trickiest part here because no one stays the same person. Our, our goals, our values, our experiences, they shape us and they move us forward and, and have an impact on us. What, and people change? Is that what you're saying? That people I, change? Okay, so I, I was not well, aware of that. most people change. Some are afraid of change, uh, but most <laughs> people do learn and grow and change. And for the folks who are, let's say, optional in our life, you know, we, you know the old adage, you can pick your friends, but you don't pick your family. So the people who we tend to socialize with on a, a sort of discretionary basis, our friends, they change over time as well. And that's okay. The ones that are the, the most complicated are for sure the family, because there is an obligation there. And it's not just the children, it could be your spouse. Um, and that's a really tough one to navigate if, if you and your spouse start to diverge in terms of what you value and how you want to spend your time. But parents are another one um, that's difficult to navigate too, because our, our parents change. And it's, it's hard when they are aging and they are meeting challenges and requiring more of our time. And in some cases, more of our money, if they need some financial support um, where they don't have the resources to take care of themselves. Um, let but me, it's, let yep. me add something to this comment because I, I don't want to let it go. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is important because what we are discussing today during an entire podcast is the ideal situation, right? Like, like we go through this exercise of trying to categorize everything in some kind of time, money, and joy matrix, but obviously you cannot change everything. And, Correct. And, but you can be aware of everything, or at least the majority of it. And I think what we're trying to get in this conversation today, and please correct me if I'm wrong of this, Carrie, but is the areas that you cannot change, you need to acknowledge and be aware of those so you can change on others to, to bring more happiness and joy into your life with your money uh, in the areas that you can control. Because uh, there's obviously areas you cannot control. And I think what you were describing right now is the perfect example. Obviously, when you have parents that are aging and they care, is something that it's a little bit out of your control that you have responsibility for or most people feel mm -hmm. responsible for. But that doesn't mean your life can have to just be like dragged down to misery. <laughs> like there's other areas that you can correct to overcompensate for the, the energy, I would say, vampire that is, uh, that is consuming right here. Right. And it's also not only that, but are there changes that you can make 
in those stressful situations to make them a little bit easier to to manage and to to take care of um you know i i like to and it you know we always throw our mothers under the bus so i'm gonna throw my mom under the bus right now oh my god love her dear i love her dearly and i love seeing her but i was finding that i was getting (laughs) really frustrated when we were together because she's losing her hearing and she doesn't like to lose use her hearing aids and i get that but i was getting really angry having to repeat myself three or four times because she wasn't hearing me she wasn't hearing me and I stopped for a moment and I realized you know what I can control this a little bit better I can make sure that if I'm talking to her I'm making eye contact with her she knows that we're talking and then the conversation just flows a little bit better as opposed to me just being used to talking to her in the other room and having her hear me that doesn't happen anymore so it's me making a slight modification in how I interact in the situation and it just makes the experience so much better. So those are little tiny things that you can do um, in your own activities and engagement to ease the situation that may not be so perfect. So let's let's transition to I would say the the part of the time, money, and joy that we originally would consider uh, our industry, which is the money part, the money management mm-hmm. part, the portfolio management side. Um, why or how do you approach the conversation with clients of the money situation? Because it is a key fundamental part of this triangle relationship here. It is really important, um, and it's the easiest to quantify and to get your head around because the money piece is all about fact-gathering. Essentially, most of us have two major phases in our financial life. We have what we call the accumulation phase where we're working, we're saving, we're building up our nest egg, we're building up our portfolio. And then at some point, um, hopefully we reach a point that we call work optional. And then we transition to the decumulation phase where the paycheck isn't coming in anymore. We are now paying ourselves with the money that we've saved and invested. And how do you know when that transition happens or how do you set a timeline for when that happens and a really can't do that without knowing what we call it your number. So what is your number? In our world, that's the point where your investments, your savings, your portfolio has gotten to the point where you can stop the paycheck and you can start paying yourself. You're working. If you're still working, it's because you want to, not because you have to. And you can't necessarily make that decision without understanding what your needs are. Um, and it takes, again, some some thoughtful reflection and some honesty as to what is in my budget, what do I spend, what do I need? And we all know that that does change over time. Uh, sometimes there are expenses that will drop out of your budget, whether it be a mortgage or caring for children. But there's also things that might fall into your budget that you weren't anticipating. And I'm not necessarily talking about one-time expenses, but perhaps care of an elder parent. Um, But there's also some... You know, there's some good curveballs that come in sometimes, too, where, you know, maybe you've won the lottery or maybe you have an inheritance that you weren't expecting. There are there are positive inflows as well. But you need to really have a good handle on what you need to live, um, you know, a pretty satisfying life. 
and how does your money, do you have enough resources or are you on the right path to have enough resources to get to that point of being work optional? Um, and yeah. if the answer is, I'm not sure, then you we should look into that <laughs> because <laughs> yes. that that uncertainty around your financial life causes a tremendous amount of anxiety and may also lead you to making bad decisions. Um, you know, you don't want to retire too early and then get down the road into retirement and, and realize you haven't saved enough. But you also don't want to be pushing yourself to working too hard to retiring or transitioning to a different lifestyle too late and then you realize wow I scrimped I saved I sacrificed I denied myself and now I have all this money and I'm going to die with it and I'm never going to use it and boy I could have been so much happier and lived a different life um hmm. So it works both ways. <laughs> no, so so thank you for uh, explaining that in detail. I think there is no specific time to start this conversation. I would just add that to, to the comments you just made. The earlier you're aware of this relationship of time, money, and joy, I would say the better. Uh, but there is no ideal time to start this. I know people uh, sometimes are really responsible and really after college they start saving for retirement and and they focus more on the money side of things right like mm -hmm. like like that's one thing that i guess we teach uh, every generation now but i am so glad there's people like you out there that are starting to teach is not just about the what's your number conversation conversation is about what you're going to use that number for and you better yeah. start spending your living time uh, with the activities and relationships you want to be around, or you're going to find yourself not in the ideal position when you reach that number. So, so, so thank you for clarifying that. So, Carrie, I um, we could keep going for this topic for a long time. I, you know, I'm very passionate about it. Um, the one thing, the one thing I would like to ask you before we cut today's podcast is something I ask to every guest, but is tomorrow if I if the listeners could start doing something tomorrow, what would that be to get into a more time on and joy balance? I think tomorrow the best thing to do is to take a moment and forget the money for a second, put that on the shelf uh, because that takes more more digging and, and maybe you know pulling out spreadsheets or what have you to, to look at. But I think tomorrow the best place to start is to really picture, imagine that ideal day. Um, and again, think about who are you with, what are you doing, where are you, and how is that different from where you are today? What do you need to change? Because ultimately, that's what you're striving for, is to have every day be your ideal day. And what do you need to do right now? Um, is, it, is it something that is in your daily activities that you can either chop off completely, off to somebody else? Are there people who are the energy vampires that you can somehow find a way to disengage with? Um, just start from the people in the activities perspective. Hmm. What, what are you doing that's making you happy? Do more of it. Try to do less of what you know, is bringing you down. Um, that would be my, that'd be my recommendation. The money, 
the money is important, but not as important as the people and the activities. Well, thank you so much for your time, Carrie. This has been uh, a conversation that is much needed, especially I would say in the after COVID times that we're living right now and mm -hmm. people are starting to realign uh, what they prioritize uh, or maybe they have already done so. So this is another way to check that you did it correctly. So I really appreciate. We'll put uh, a couple of additional resources in the notes for this podcast for everybody to, to just kind of like or download or listen to other conversations that we have had about this topic at Lexington. But thank you. Thank you so much, Carrie, uh, for your time. Thank you, Jordi. Always great to talk with you. And um, uh, until next time, this was the Empower Women series of the month of July. My name is Jordi Miller, and we hope you have a great day. Lexington Wealth Management is a group of investment professionals registered by Hightower Securities LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered independent investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referred herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not guaranteed. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information containing this research is provided as a general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Lexington Wool Management and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no express or implied representation or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data on other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as a date of reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Lexington Well Management and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. This material is not intended or written to provide or should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may be vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.